Joe Orth and I are starting a podcast. What should we call it? Hey, don't pick on me. You know why? Because this is why. Well, let's see what he says. The Joe Show. <laughs> Give Joe the business. That's right. Cup of Joe. Cup of Joe. What is happening here? Would you listen? We'll give you a chance. Thank you. <laughs> That's Joe. That's Rooster. And this is the Together We Shall podcast, episode 32. What's happening, man? Not much, man. Another another day. Another day of hanging out, living life to the fullest, working hard, playing hard. Okay. I like that. Work hard, play hard. Same thing here, man. We just resupplied the Angels Angels Finish Line store with all sorts of stuff from our partners at ASICS. Finally got us some good stuff that we can offer to everyone to... A lady's sleeveless hoodie. I mean, it's all there, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the, the new merch being put on the finish line store. You know, racing season for most of us uh, around the country is getting ready to kick off as uh, we're officially in spring now. Um, I know we got some friends like the Evans family that are dumped on snow, but uh, there's a lot of us that are ready to start wearing some new, cool, you know, running, endurance, mobility, movement gear. Yeah, absolutely. And we're and we are your source. So hop on over to the newly, newly uh, decorated and revised Angels Angels Finish Line store. Anyway, uh, April brings the second race series event in Wichita. I went last year, Flyover State, Kansas. I genuinely forget about those states. And that's why they're called flyover states. Like I've never lived not within, I don't know, 20 minutes of an ocean. Like I don't know. Like sometimes I genuinely have to like look at a map. I can say the state capital of all the states, but some of those center ones, I like, I don't know where they are sometimes. I don't know if I can still tell you all the state capitals either, but I do know that we have a fun guest today who's been to a lot of states and has done a lot of running and a lot of running recently as well. So I, I if without further ado, man, are you ready? I think we should bring Lance in here. Let's do it. What's going on? How you doing? Well, I'm good, bro. Welcome to the show. I appreciate it. We like to ask a couple questions of our guests, and here here's your opportunity. Don't overthink it. Just go with it. Where are you currently physically located, and why do you think you're a guest on the Together We Shall podcast? I am currently physically located in my home, in my office, in Detroit, Michigan. And why I feel like I'm a guest, because I think I, I think I'm a pretty cool person. Um, I have the opportunity to be uh, an ambassador with you, um, an ASICS ambassador. And uh, we have some great conversations. And I think you thought I was a pretty cool person to bring on the podcast. <laughs> I think you nailed it, man. Episode 32. I mean, there's only been 31 before you in the past year. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool person indeed. And and we have had some great conversations. Um, the reason that you're on the show, frankly, if I was going to be as blunt as I could, is because together we shall is an ethos, is a motto that we use with Ainsley's Angels. And what I've witnessed you do in your life journey has been all about together and service and community and so it makes so much sense for you to share on this platform some of that journey so that's the why now what happens between and in between <laughs> and all over you know that's just gonna be the fun stuff so i think i think only pretty cool people can do that <laughs> tangents and thoroughfares we shall get through this episode 
That is uh, something that's in our description, Lance, tangents and tariff thoroughfares. So at different points along the way, we're going to find ourselves going down rabbit holes or completely getting off the main road. And we call that kind of like a, a tangent. And then we get back on the main road and that's the thoroughfare. So anyway, just a little play with words. But one of the things that we do up front sometimes when we feel like we need to is Miller time. So Miller time is that part of the show whenever we invite you to grab your favorite beverage. It can be whatever. In fact, we have seen many things in our 31 episodes. What are you going to go with today, Joe? For the first time, I have, I have two beverages. The first is coffee out of my Louisiana Marathon mug because registration for that just opened. So hope to see a lot of you and perhaps Lance and Baton Rouge in January of 24. I know it seems like a long way away, but it, it, it comes close. Um, so that's this. But also, I've realized I don't drink enough water. So I got I bought me one of those big silly jugs and I'm drinking more water, which also yeah. causes a lot of bathroom breaks. So just be aware uh, yeah. of this next hour. That just brings me so much happiness, man, for you to acknowledge that you don't drink enough water and then for you to take action on it. In fact, I am with you. I'm going with two water bottles during this episode, as well as my standard not a sponsor yet, Celsius uh, metabolism drink. So that's what I'm doing. Lance, um, I didn't tell you about Miller time before the episode, so I'm just going to assume you have something within arm's reach. I don't. I left uh -huh. it in the kitchen. I made a mistake and left it in the kitchen, but I do got a bottle of water, and I wish I had it. So go get it. Go get it, man. I'm definitely about to get it. It's literally right here. Give me one. Yeah. Hey, hey, dude, Lance is fast, bro, like a super I, fast. And, uh, and, yeah, I, I can see that. With, yeah. Well, we'll no. let him talk about it. I see a five hey. XX minute mile for a recent event. Yeah, yeah. Lance, while you were away, I was telling Joe how fast you are. And so that let's jump right in, man. You are a runner and you recently had a PR, I think, somewhere. Tell us a story. Yeah, um, I am a runner. I'm currently training for the Boston Marathon. And um, I jumped back into this training block in, in December. And I recently had a PR of uh, 118. I forgot the seconds in Vegas. Um, the half, of course. Half right, in the half marathon. And then I just, I just recently came back from LA. This wasn't a PR, but um, with all of the hills and, and the weaving around people, uh, it, it quite, it could have been a PR. Um, but I ran a, a 121 there. And uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I've been changing up my uh, my training plan and doing a lot of uh, weightlifting to get stronger for the heels in Boston. So I'm feeling prepared and confident. Yeah, no, no doubt. And what is what kind of pace are we talking about for those that don't do math in public? If you're talking about 118s and 120s, like 5.55 per mile and 5.59 in in the uh, for the 121. So sub six minute miles for 13 miles. Yeah. I love like the, like the humbleness of that. And then especially like how you said, um, LA wasn't a PR, but if I'm not mistaken, you did get on the podium. Yeah, I did. I did. I took third that's, place overall. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah. It was crazy. This is the first time I've had a, a major event like that and, and take podium. I, I was so surprised, you know, and I always say like, like I happened to come in third because, I mean, there's 
many people that's much faster than me. Um, it just happened to be at that time, at that race, um, in those conditions that I happen to be um, the person that come across the finish line third. So I never want to uh, take the position like I'm the fastest guy because I'm not. I know there's many people that can dust that time. You know what I mean? So that's why I always take that position. Lou Holtz, you know, famous college football coach, uh, one of his speeches that he did at a uh, university in West Virginia, not West Virginia University, but said uh, your like goal in life is to do the very best you can with the time you have allotted to do said tasks. So like, yeah, that day you were you were you beat some of those people, you know, and and that's awesome. Like you said, though, kudos to them because they might get you next time. And that's absolutely that's like the humbleness of like. Hey, today was my day. I, I had a good day. Yeah. And go from there. Yeah, I love that, dude. That's like, again, we mentioned, mentioned the word four times already, humble. And that's just uh, something that you resonate. And I'm I'm going to. I'm going to take a note out of your book and, and absolutely use that whenever I get third place at the LA half marathon mm-hmm. and I'm on right. the podium. Well, always, always uh, the pace car though. <laughs> so I always live by this, uh, this motto is like be humble or be humbled. And, um, you know, life can humble you in an instant. Like I could win third place one day and then something tragic can happen the next, you know, you just never know. This thing called life, man. It's, it's so many unknowns that lie ahead. Yeah, and, and your journey has been an interesting journey in the sense that I, I thought you were a runner in college. Yeah, by a long shot, I wasn't. Um, I didn't start running until I was 27. I'm 34 now. So, um, but I've always been athletic. You know, I played basketball in high school. I played football. I played intramural sports. I mean, I did a lot of different sports where um, you had to run, but distance running was never a thing for me. Um, actually, I hated it. Um, when I was on a basketball team, the, the coaches made us run a lot. And that was just something I did not like doing. Um, so it wasn't until later in life where I started running and then I noticed the benefits outside of the physical benefit of running that kind of kept me in the space. So mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all of those things where it's like, wow, like this is a space that I can, you know, do one thing, but simultaneously strengthen other areas of my life. And that's why I kept running. Yeah, we've seen that play out in your everyday now. I mean, so you came back from college. Uh, I always mess it up. Tennessee University. Uh, what is it? Yep. Tennessee State University in Nashville, mm-hmm. Tennessee. So you came back to, to Detroit, correct, after college. And now you, did you spend all your days prior to college in Detroit? Uh, yes. Yes. So I was in Detroit, um, born and raised in Detroit on the west side of Detroit and um, educated through the Detroit public school system. Once I graduated from high school, um, I left. I needed to get out of my environment. Um, I didn't feel like my environment was conducive to my growth. Um, So I applied for a lot of scholarships while I was in school. Um, My parents didn't have the money to send me away. So I figured I'm going to figure out a way to get out of here. Um, I got $29,000 in scholarship money and, um, I went away to Tennessee. Tennessee state was, uh, my first choice, uh, because my guidance counselor kind of pushed me into going to an HBCU. He thought it'd be great for me. And once I got there, uh, I I didn't take any type of, um, like school tour or anything. I just kind of went out on the limb 
And uh, when I when I arrived, it was it was the best thing for me. So um, once I graduated in 2012, it took me five and a half, half years to graduate. Um, I moved back in 2014 after working in, in um, the supply chain management industry for a few years. So you said a couple things uh, that I just want to pull the string on a little bit. You know, you growing up in Detroit, you, you made it a point to mention the public school system. Um, can you can you shape that up for us to our listeners who don't understand exactly why you said Detroit and public school system? It was just difficult, you know, for the average kid to like flourish and grow in a in a in an environment um, like Detroit. And what I mean by that is like, how do I want to paint this picture? You see a lot of violence. You see a lot of negativity. You see a lot of um, like drugs. You see a lot of um, fighting and um, some of your friends like, you know, being killed or going to jail. And just it's just different things. I mean. Um, and that's all like rooted in like systemic issues that plague our communities. Right. Because it don't it don't necessarily have to be that way. But um, unfortunately, that's how it is. So you grow up in this environment and you just know what you know, because this is this is all, you know, like my commute from my house to my home. It's like there's no like healthy food options. There's liquor stores on every corner. You know, um, these are these are the places I stop in to get my food. You know, on my walk to school, I'm going to school to get a uh, a bag of chips, um, some juice and um, some cookies, you know, stuff like that. I'm not eating real food. You grow up in that environment and it, it plays a role in how we show up in our schools. You know, so you got neighborhood conflicts that uh, show up in the school. And um, that's why it's a lot of like violence and, and, and negativity that exists. Once I graduated and I was able to get out of that, um, I found it on my heart to return home and to be able to pour into young people. So once I was in the supply chain management industry, I'm I'm thinking to myself, you know, there was people that saw something in me at a young age and provided scholarship money for me to go away to school, um, develop myself as a young man. So I felt it was necessary for me to take all of this knowledge and experience that I have and come back home and pour it into young people. So I completely switched my career path and jumped into education in a nonprofit space where I can go into the young into the schools and work with young men and women to be able to focus on social and emotional learning, to be able to kind of develop them as whole people. Right. Because our young people, they need to see more positive figures in their life. You know, and um, if we have more of that growing up, I think that'll change the trajectory of uh, a young person's life. So I felt it was necessary to, you know, come alongside and do what I can with the resources and knowledge that I have to um, help out young people. Like you said, for a young person to see positivity and we'll just say an adult. Right. But for them in your situation, for them to be able to see it from. You were them 20 whatever ish years ago, right? Like, look, I grew up here too. You know, I walked yep. the same streets. Yep. I know, I know how, how good or bad it could be. Um, but I left and I, you know, recharged, got educated, and now I'm back to to show you that there's potentially more than, you know, this what area, you? and you can go back and do all these things too. By somebody that like uh, you know, I'll say a politician type figure comes into the school and talks to them and they're like, well, yeah, but you're from Ann Arbor. Correct. You know, they're not going to have that connection. So that's very, that's very cool to to go back. That I think that's rare um, 
you know, you, celebrities will, you know, write a check to, at some point, you know, to an extent to help where they came from. But like going back and living there and immersing yourself back into that environment is that's admirable. It's tough, man. It's tough um, <clears throat> because you see all of the things that um, the kids are going through and it. It seems like um, it's gotten worse over time. Right. So I look back at the resources that we had um, and then I look at the challenges that I had growing up. But then I look at the challenges that they have in their current conditions, you know, with social media and um, just how they're being educated. It's similar to how we were educated 15 years, 15, 20 years ago. And it's the same thing as technology is advancing and the educational standpoint is stagnant, right? So how the kids are learning, it just doesn't connect. It's like it's a huge disconnect. They don't have the resources. They don't have computers. They don't have books. They're reading books that I read when I was in high school. It's like all of this information they're they're missing. And then on top of that, you have kids that's reading at like a third grade level and they're in high school. So it's kind of like if this is the start line, they're starting three miles behind or 10 miles behind. It's not even an equal playing field. So um, but these are some of the most intelligent kids I've ever met in my life. You know, it's just certain things that they just don't have a certain resources. And it's like if they did, how far would they be, you know? So that's why that's where people like myself and people in the community come in and, and try to do what we can to um, push them further along. Um, and some of them go out and do great things, but many of them don't, unfortunately, because they just don't have the resources and they just don't have uh, people that pour into them. And um, and that's a generational thing. So for for me, when I think of Detroit, and, and that's that's the microcosm that we're looking at for this conversation. But let's be clear, there's 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 Detroit's all over the world. Absolutely. But in this case, we're talking about Detroit because that's that's your hometown and that's where you're having an impact. When I think of Detroit, like two things come to my mind. This is a guy who's only been to the airport in a layover. I think of the eight mile and Eminem and all the things and, and music and all that stuff. And then I also think of Ford and the American car industry. Mm-hmm. And when I think of those two things, um, there are some some overlap and some similarities. But would you say that the what you have just described to us about negativity and 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 opportunities to make different decisions um, rests in the way that the car industries just left the city? Or is this just my uneducated perspective? So I think that Detroit is the way that it is today because big car companies pulled out all of a sudden and left the place to just deal with it all on its own. Like, that's what I think. How right or wrong am I? Uh, Partially right. Uh, But there's a lot of other issues that uh, happened in our city. So the crack epidemic, like messed up the city really bad. Um, the automotive industry that happened when the crash of the automotive industry happened in like 2007 ish, but in 2006, that's when, um, the school system start going through its issues and start closing schools. Um, people start flooding away from Detroit. Um, we had a big, 
financial crisis uh, with our former mayor that, you know, racketeering and all of that stuff that happened um, in the city that caused economic downturn. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of things that happen in the city to put it in this condition. But Detroit, I don't want to paint Detroit like it's a bad city. That That's why we like when outsiders say something negative about Detroit, it's like, nah, because it's not that. You know, you could come to Detroit and like have a phenomenal time. I mean, we got so many amazing things happening here. But I do want to say, like, at, at one point, Detroit had a population of like two million people. Right now, the population is climbing up to a million. Right. So when you think about all of those people that once were here and they're not, that leaves the city abandoned in a sense. So the neighborhoods in Detroit, whether you're from the east side or west side, there's a lot of abandonment. You know, there's not a lot of people paying tax dollars to be able to have street lights on everywhere. So you see darkness in different areas. You know, you have different pockets that's worse than others. And then you have pockets that look beautiful in Detroit. I mean, we got some of the most beautiful homes in Detroit. We have some of the most beautiful people, the most artistic people. You got music. You got uh, just so many talented people that uh, live in Detroit that make this city such a powerful and wonderful city. And um, one thing about Detroit, despite what it goes through, we have we are always able to, like, be resilient, you know, and overcome um, any challenges that it that it throws at itself. You know, I know you probably heard the saying Detroit versus everybody that came from Tommy Walker and you see other cities trying to kind of bite that, but that started here, you know? Um, and we say Detroit versus everybody because you'll hear in media or see in media all of these negative things, but they never highlight the positive. And that was one of the things that I wanted to change and moving back to, because personally, I didn't see a lot of positive things. I would hear a lot of negative and it's like, nah, this isn't the real, this isn't the true story. Like there's so many positive things that's happening in the city and what can we do to, to, you know, change that? I'm glad you asked the question, Richard, cause like that was like definitely on the forefront of my mind too. And I think it's the media that I would say most people see is D Detroit's bad, you know, um, which stinks, but it's good to hear like the resiliency and like that it's, that's not that bad or that you're, growing back from the decline essentially of 15 plus years ago yeah and i mean like you know like you said that the eight mile uh which is probably his like favorite musical soundtrack after anything counting crows um but no, like, yeah the, uh, I, just a fun fact you know it's funny um you know you hear eight mile because eminem from that area but so eight mile is like once you cross eight mile you're out of detroit so eight miles like a borderline thing. So when you in the city, it's a mile. That's like the borderline. Then when you go into the city, it's backwards, right? So it's seven mile. It's six mile, which is McNichols. It's five mile, which is Finkel. You know, that's when you in the city. But once you on a, on across eight mile, then you cross the border. So you you into like Oak Park. Um, you're into it depending on where you are in the city because you have Woodward, which is M1, which divides kind of east and west. East and west is like anytime you ask somebody where you from in Detroit, they're going to either say they're from the east side or west side. It's not like a north and south thing. It's just always east and west because Woodward kind of divides as 
between east and west and Woodward runs north and south. Each one of the miles represent a section of the city and then eventually, okay. And then an eight mile is the border between what? Is it Detroit and something? Um, once you cross over to eight mile, you got like um, the suburbs of Detroit. There is a Taco Bell on eight mile road at this area that I'm, I'm looking at, Rooster. You can't be talking to Lance about Taco Bell. He, 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 is, a, he is a very particular eater. I'm looking at a map of, uh, because Rooster and I uh, were stationed with a guy uh, who's from, I guess, northern, uh, like Macomb County, I think it is. Okay. Uh, but on his softball jersey, he put 24 mile. That was like his name. Oh, he way <laughs> out there. Yeah, yeah. He way out, yeah. But, but that's how it goes. It goes way up to, I think, like 28. I don't know. Well, I appreciate you kind of shaping that up for us and giving us perspective. And, you know, when people say eight mile, I'm sure the guy who's from Detroit's like, really, is that all you is that all you got? Like eight. Mile? Yeah, we hear, we Detroiters hear that so much from people that's not from Detroit. It'd be like, yeah, they don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, it's, no, funny, no it's funny. I mean, because eight mile the movie was such a popular thing. So a lot of people associate that with Detroit. And and I mean, that's cool. Um, yeah. It is a part of Detroit. It's not like you you come to Detroit and it's like, yeah, like eight mile is a thing in Detroit. You know, eight mile, yeah. each, each mile runs east to west in Detroit. I just spent like five minutes of the podcast talking about eight mile, which was not my intention. But anyway, <laughs> let me let me take you back to something else that you said that I wanted to highlight um, when you were talking about your upbringing and when you left. You said that your counselor uh, thought that it would be good for you to attend what you call HBCU, which for those that aren't familiar, historically black college and university. Why do you believe or what was the story behind why your counselor thought that that would be something you should do or would be good for you to go to that specific type of uh, college or university? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. Um, so Thomas Wilson, I still keep in touch with him to this day. Um, he so I got accepted to multiple schools. Um, I got accepted to Michigan Tech, which was kind of what I was leaning towards going. Um, Michigan State, Saginaw Valley, and a few other schools. Um, but I did apply to some HBCUs, which is Morehouse, North Carolina A&T. I didn't hear anything back from um, North Carolina A&T. And then I got denied at Morehouse. Um, and then I got accepted to Tennessee State. So, Mr. Wilson, I, I was kind of leaning on going towards Michigan Tech and um, I was going to school for electrical engineering and they had a phenomenal engineering school. But it was like 10 hours up north in Michigan. So he kind of told me to think about an HBCU um, because at an HBCU, you'll see a different black experience. Right. So um, I've never went to school with any other race I all in detroit is detroit is an 85% black city um so all my teachers were black mostly all my life i've been educated around black people um and then what i mean about a different black experience like you get the the cultural aspect of your blackness so i all my life i was around poor black people so then when you go to an hbcu it gives you a different pers- like a different perspective of black people you got poor you got middle class, you got rich ass black people. <laughs> and it's like when you're there, it makes you look at um, yourself and then you learn different things about yourself in a whole new light. Because at an HBCU, it's 
at Tennessee State specifically, there was um, anywhere between nine and 10,000 students there. Um, let's say 90% of those students are black. Um, so it was just, it was an electric experience for me. I, I mean, I had the time of my life. Um, I always give comparisons to um, my, my friends that went to a PWI, predominantly white institution, opposed to an HBCU. And I always ask this question, like, you know, what type of experiences are you looking for? You know, especially when I was um, in the school system, I always ask kids because a lot of people don't get an HBCU experience. But then once they graduate, they be like, that's my main regret, man. I wish I went to an HBCU. And the main thing is I always ask them, how many how many white friends do you truly have? You went to a school with 30,000 people. But how many friends do you really have? Like, what is your network like? And their answer is always, I don't really have any. And I just that that's mind blowing to me, because how can you go to school with so many people and then you don't have fr people that you can really call friends? So they might have a small portion. And then opposed to an HBCU, I go to a school with 10,000 people. I can't even count how many friends that I have. You know what I mean? Like my phone book is like I got like over 2000 contacts in my phone. So it's like anywhere I go throughout this country. There's somebody that I can call on, you know, that I can sleep on a couch or, you know, whatever, you know. And I think that that is golden, you know. Um, and there's some phenomenal people that I've been able to connect, network with that's doing incredible things. And that network can put you in positions that may not necessarily have if I didn't have that network. So. To me, that that has been the most golden thing that I've experienced in college. I mean, the education was great. You know, I got a degree in business and supply chain management. Um, but the network is is like you can't put a price on it. Yes, the education is first. But uh, right after that is the, the lifelong connections you'll meet, especially if you play sports, even club sports, intramural sports or in a fraternity or sorority, something like those connections. Um, and while like Rooster and I didn't have that experience, you know, uh, 20 now, Rooster, 20 plus years in the Marine Corps. And, and I think we're the same way. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of people in our phone book that, that we could call around the country. And then that is the same thing that that's like a, a personality thing that like you can go into a, the uh, university or the military and not connect. That's like them people choosing not to. And it, I hate when I hear that, like just make friends, open up and again, life, lifelong connections. I mean, Rooster and I is a good example. I mean, 15, 15 years now um, that the Marine Corps started. Wow. 14 years ago, on this day, I, I pledged my fraternity, Alpha Power Fraternity Incorporated. And, and you know, I woke up to text messages from all my line brothers like, hey, it's been 14 years. It's crazy. And it's, it's 19 of us. And all of them live all around the world and are doing like incredible things. I mean, because once you come out of college, I mean, some people go off to get their master's degree. Some people go off to get their doctorate degrees, you know, all of these things. But I, I didn't know no black doctors growing up. That just never existed in my life. I didn't see it. But to be able to like have people that I got, like we've been together since we was 18, 19 years old. And to be able to have people like that, that, you know, people see the like doctor this. And I don't see them as that. I see you You like my brother. You know what I mean? Even though I respect that you're a doctor, but it's like it's deeper than that, you know, 
And to be able to have people like that in my network, it just it opens up the doors, not only for because now you're tapping into their network. So it's like anything that they have, they can put people in front of you or make this call this way. And that's that's why I said those connections are like gold. Yeah, all of this ties into to this idea of together we shall accomplish so so much more than we can accomplish as individuals. You know, Joe mentioned our journey in the Marine Corps. Like you went to HBCU, we went to USMC. And I don't say that to be funny. I say that to say like they are networks and Absolutely. and it and if you raise the flag, not the American flag, but just the Marine Corps flag, like you will get help if you need it. Um, your your brothers in your fraternity, gosh, 14 years later, and there they were showing up, you know, celebrating the journey that you all had. Um, what we've built with Ainsley's Angels is similar across the country, hundreds of communities where if I need a place to bed down, a safe place, I know I can find it. And I want to use that to bring it into what you're what you have built with We Run 313. So we've talked about kind of your upbringing. You went off to college, you came back, you start to have an impact. How are you having that impact now through We Run 313? And what is We Run 313? Yeah, so We Run 313, it's a social running club where we connect like-minded individuals through running to build a healthy and happy community. It was started by myself and Joe Robinson, uh, my co-founder. And in um, starting it, I always had this like idea of like building community. It's so much deeper than running. There's so many people in different walks of life, people that uh, don't necessarily have access to one another. Um, and I felt like running was something that could bring the community together in ways that um, I didn't typically see. And, um, you know, when you're focusing on your mental and physical well-being um, and you find people that uh, want to do the same, I think you get like-minded people in a space that like once you if you if you're surrounding yourself around people that care about themselves you get a different dynamic of people so it's like being in spaces where like i had the fraternity or being in spaces where like at tennessee state we we always call it like a family so i've been in these different environments where uh culture was created around um togetherness right so um I wanted to create that culture um, around the run club in Detroit, in a city where you don't typically see that happening. That's what we've been able to do. You know, we've been able to create a culture where it's um, very motivational. It's very um, empowering. It's very uh, you have a lot of accountability and uh, people see a lot of themselves and other people. You know, um, we do a lot of things outside of running that you're able to build strong, authentic relationships with people. You know, um, I always say there's there's different social barriers that exist in Detroit, uh, whether you're from the east side or west side. Um, people wouldn't come together. You know, it's like this. I don't know where it started, but it's just like, oh, you from the east side, or the, you know, or if you you from the west side, you know, I didn't I didn't really see people coming together like that. And then, um, you know, you have socioeconomic barriers. If you got a GED and you have a bachelor's degree, people just wouldn't connect because they just felt like they're on different levels from one another, you know. Um, or you wouldn't be able to connect with certain people unless you're in certain spaces, 
right? And a lot of that barrier happens from educational background um, or where you are financially, you know, whether you middle class or rich, you poor people won't be in that space. With running, it's like to hell with that. You don't know who is what. You don't know. It don't matter if you uh, consider to be in shape or out of shape. It don't matter if you white or black. It don't matter if you rich or poor. It don't matter if you educated or uneducated. Nobody cares and nobody knows. We all here to sweat and run. And then from there, people are building relationships with one another another, from their character, not about what you what accolades you have accomplished in your life journey. You know, it dies right in, man. Ainsley's Angels doesn't care whether you can walk, run or roll. I mean, so it's a lot of physical peace. Now, we've been able to see that just by starting with the physical piece, it, it transcends into everything that you're talking about. And, and at the end of the day, running or running events are just a means to an end. And the end is togetherness. It's unity. It's inclusion. It's diversity. It's all the, the, the words of the day. But frankly, it's how can we be better humans together? How can we get along together? The area code for Detroit is 313, correct? Right. So we run 313 doesn't say we run east side of the 313 area code. And it's and it's and it's we. It's not I. You know what I mean? It's it's we as us together as a community. And it's not even just we run 313 to physically run. It's like we run this city together you know and it's crazy later as we went on it's like we i'm from the west side my co-founder from the east side so there's there's that we and it's like but it's together you know we can't do this (laughs) you're right right whoa that blew my mind like that you didn't fit you didn't figure that out till later i figured that out until later but it's like we can't do this alone you know we we are better together we as a community we as a people not just as black people it can be white people just whatever we as the human race are together as people are better together as people and what do we need to do to strip down or heal from things of the past to move forward you know yeah and that's how i look at it yeah i love that man thank you in fact uh y'all also celebrate because uh, I know we got an invitation to come celebrate with you at your gala back in December. And I couldn't go. But our ambassador, PJ, who was an episode on this uh, podcast, a few podcasts back, uh, he went. And PJ rolled up at the at the We Run 313 banquet, side of the table <laughs> with the other ambassadors. Y'all had a party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We know how to party, man. I mean, yeah. and, and you work hard, you party hard. I think it's a it's a good it's a good balance. And um. Our end of season gala is a time where, you know, we we kick off our season in May. We run in three days a week. Sometimes people run in more than that, but we we set up our runs three days a week. So two mile Tuesday, 5K, 10K Thursday and um, Sunday long runs. So you're putting in all these miles, plus you got races and stuff like that. So from May all the way into December, we putting in a lot of miles um, and we ran a lot of races. So the gala is a time to celebrate our collective accomplishment. Um, to lead a running shoes at home, put on your your nice tuxedo, your nice dresses, and everybody come together for this amazing event. And we kick it. We have a good time. I mean, we we go through um, a time where Joe and I we speak, and we we speak to 
what we all have accomplished through that year, um, the connections we've been able to make, um, the relationships we've been able to build. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's just, it's a, people had a time in their life, man. It's, I'll be having the time of my life for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah. You don't necessarily, you don't always see people outside of their running clothes. So you, you show up and everybody looking just top tier. It feel like prom 3.0. <laughs> and um, it's just a, it's, it's a hell of a time. I've said it before too. And you hit on both of you, like the running is, would reach you're saying like the vehicle to the community right and for us like you know we have 12 destination races within our race series we do louisiana marathon marine corps marathon you know big events and it's really not about running or or riding it's about the getting together the community pre-race post-race i mean you get people like here in, in north carolina for me like we got a 5k uh on saturday and people are already talking about like you know hanging out before breakfast you know stuff like that it's like forget the race like we'll we'll get through the race we're gonna have fun that's guaranteed but what are we going to talk about after what are we talk about before um because these people you don't see them, like for us you know we don't see them on tuesdays and thursdays um but it's just still that vehicle that's driving everyone together um to to talk and grow and you know more and whatever um is running yeah. And like Joe said, you know, the, these opportunities to go to destination events, like, and as much as you Lance are excited about inviting us to your gala, because you really want us to celebrate and have a great time and connect with everybody. I get excited to say like, come join us at the Louisiana marathon, Lance. Like it's, it's not about the marathon or the half. It's about all the partying and camaraderie and togetherness that's intermixed throughout the weekend. Um, we have another one that we do that with in October at the Marine Corps marathon. And usually I like to tell Joe that he should probably talk about the Marine Corps marathon every now and again. And yet now seems like a great time. So for those of you listening or watching, if you want to run or ride, in the People's Marathon, October 28th this year in Washington, D.C. Just email joe at ainsleysangels.org. Uh, we would love to have you. And again, it's it's a weekend event. You know, folks get to go and see the monuments in our nation's capital, 200-person dinner, um, a lot of just mingling uh, and getting to know, you know, riders and runners from around the country. So again, if you want to participate in the Marine Corps Marathon weekend festivities with us, Email Joe at ainsleysangels.org and, and hopefully Lance emails Joe at ainsleysangels.org uh, after this. I definitely want to participate in the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, I just haven't had the time to get around to it, but one of these days I will. Um, but I've heard all, uh, great things about it. A lot of my friends have run it. You run a lot, Lance. Already you've, you've run some halves. you got some fulls. What's, what's your calendar looking like for, uh, for fulls in 2023? Yeah, so I got three fulls um, on the schedule this year. The first one will be Boston, which is April 17th. Um, and then I'll be going to Berlin to run a Berlin marathon. Um, it's that September 23rd. And then um, I'm going to run a Detroit Free Press marathon because that's our hometown race. So we run two countries in one race. Oh, that's another thing I didn't tell y'all about Detroit. So Detroit, um, downtown Detroit, we have the Detroit River that separates um, Detroit and Windsor, um, Ontario, Canada, right? So it's literally a bridge or a tunnel that you um, that 
can get you from Detroit over to Canada. So in the Detroit Free Press Marathon, you run across the bridge and then you run around in Canada and then you run, come back over through Canada, I mean, through the tunnel and run the rest of Detroit. And so it's 26.2 miles between two countries. And I never got the opportunity to run that. So I'll be running that as well. That's great. You got to get with PJ. I, I know that you uh, run these races individually, but maybe for your third marathon of the year, you can take one of our riders from Ainsley's Angels of Michigan with you because Ainsley's Angels does the Detroit Free Press Marathon. So I'm just I just want you to have that invitation. You know? yeah. yeah, definitely. It, I mean, I'm sure it'll provide a different experience or if not me, because I do have a time goal. Um, if not me, if not this year definitely in the future but um or we can expose it to different people in our run club that may want to you know be a part of something like that because i mean we have over 2300 runners in our run club and we're the largest and fastest growing run club in the state so i mean we got the people yeah yeah pj mentioned to me uh after the gala that he has intentions in 2023 to do races that 313's doing and so i just haven't looked at the calendar and connected the dots but having the two of you connect would be you know probably a good idea to see where those those stars align and then who knows lance maybe for your fourth marathon of the year you know you can go have a nice easy stroll in washington dc you know because it's the end of october it, it would align well it'd be a recovery marathon i think anyway. i'm three and out <laughs> i think i'm three and out for the year yeah yeah no doubt man um, a lot, a lot but, of miles you got to put in uh be prepared for that marathon yeah no doubt no doubt um we've talked about the louisiana marathons in january but there's also a half option so come on down to baton rouge for uh for uh, martin luther king weekend you got some good louisiana cuisine and good times and then uh, we'll see what 2024 holds but definitely want to share some race courses with you as we go forward i'm with it meaning um, like he'll catch you at the finish line share the course <laughs> well you know the thing about, the, the thing about uh having the speed is that you don't always have to use it. You can take it easy too and just enjoy the race, you know, yeah. and that's what I, that's what I plan to do. Uh, I, I got some goals that I'm trying to reach time wise, but um, it's just so hard on the body, man. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to be racing that hard for a very long time. I mean, I really do enjoy races and what I mean by that, like I want to like stop and take pictures and, you know, connect with the people on the course and not just blaze through it so fast. I mean, a lot of times, like, I run so fast and I be so focused, I, I kind of, like, forget what even happened because I'm just laser focused that I, like, I mean, I just be so focused. I, like, I don't even know what just happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I definitely know what you mean. In fact, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my screen and hopefully not disrupt this whole thing right now. But, like, if you look at this picture, like, I was so focused. And, and <laughs> nope. You are very focused right there. <laughs> Not only was I focused, but I was one stride ahead of Lance. <laughs> you remember that day in Boston, man? That was a good time. We were cold, weren't we, though? It was so cold. We were trying to hop in the van and stay warm and then hop right back out there and do some more runs. Turned out great. 
Yeah, it was great. Um, what I'm, what I showed my screen for those that couldn't see, I'll probably have that picture added uh, whenever we share this on our Together Michelle podcast uh, Instagram page. Um, but that was a morning of our photo shoot from our most recent journey with ASICS, the new, new, new class. So both Lance and I, as well as three other people, were the 2022 ASICS ambassador class for the Live Up Lifted Challenge. And then going into 2023, they they invited each of us to bring a person or persons with them with us to nominate them to be the sound mind sound body ambassadors for 2023 and so i had a chance to have sean and seamus uh join us there but lance who did you bring with you yeah i brought asia ross um she has been a part of our run club since inception um but when i met asia i didn't know all of these great things about her easy pick on asia i mean she comes she brings a lot of energy she's very um positive and just uplifting in the community and um yeah she was just the perfect person yeah her energy is spot on the second i met her i was like oh yep yep we get along we're gonna get along and then we did in the photo shoot there's a picture where we're both holding a globe up and uh she's she's asia she's holding the asian continent and i'm i'm over here holding on to the other side of it we just had a good time she's she's fun um i i saw i see how she's training Oh, you didn't see that? I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh. And she, yeah, she ran. She just ran the LA half marathon too, and she did really well. I, I haven't convinced uh, Asics to let us have that picture. Nobody took one except the professional, and they haven't released the picture of us holding the globe up. But I, I bet you a little bit of pressure. Maybe we can make <laughs> that happen. Lance, thank you so much for taking some time to join us for this uh, this episode. I, I really appreciated some of the perspectives that you shared with us. I certainly had no idea exactly the details behind eight mile and this this different black perspective of life experiences like i've never heard someone shape it up like that in regards to hbcu so thank you for that as well man i appreciate it thanks thanks for um creating this and creating space for me to just tell more about my story you know and put it out there and and thanks for just for just being my friend, man. Uh, we've we've been in place and met one another once in person, but I feel like I've known you so much longer. Same, same, man. I appreciate you for having me on the podcast, and uh, we got to do it again, man. Yeah, I think there'll be some opportunities, definitely. Um, as we roll the episode out, you know, Joe, is there any kind of saved rounds or thoughts you have before we uh, let Lance have the last word about what he wants to leave people with? No, yeah, thanks for. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's awesome, you know, especially for me not knowing you before this, but getting to to meet and feeling like you can learn a lot about a person in an hour. Uh, yeah. and, and I feel like I learned more than I would typically learn about a person in an hour, especially in a virtual setting. So, yeah, thanks for joining us, man. Keep doing all the good stuff that you and, and your Joe are, yeah. uh, are up there doing. And uh, hopefully we can get a two joes a rooster and a lance in a in the same room uh in the next 12 months yeah i appreciate that i'm on it man i it's it's just my life's purpose man and when i feel it in my spirit i gotta act on it so tell them where they can learn more about we run 313 yeah you can check us out on all social media platforms at we run 313 you can check out the website we run 313.com uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a Facebook group. If you want to join it, it's called Two Mile Tuesday, where you can get a lot of inspiration. If you want some accountability, join the group and uh, we'll we'll let you in.
you're talking and I'm going to Facebook. Like, where is it? I want to get in. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about two mile Tuesday, man. What, what do you want to leave the listeners with? Whoever they are, wherever they are, what is something that, uh, that you want to offer to them to take with them yeah. for the rest of their day? Uh, I, I, I live by this quote, man. It, it came to me when I was at Tennessee State. Um, one of my friends shared it with me, and I've, I've, it's, it's been my moral compass for quite some time. It's, it's when we forget ourselves that we do things which will be remembered. So um, to put that in context, at least for me, it's like I had to put my own personal um, agenda aside and think about the fullness of everything, right? Because life is not about you per se. It's about how can you do something to leave an impact on someone else? And it can be one person. But when you take yourself out the equation and you think about um, everyone else, that's when you that's when you'll do something that will be remembered that'll last forever. Uh, you know what? I, I got, got enough. Time. He's in charge. <laughs> we're done. This was good. Yeah, we're done here. <laughs> uh, the structure of this building has reached its capacity. Find your people, and if they make you feel sexy, even better. Whether you watched or listened this episode. I now invite you to experience the Live Uplifted journey told by Lance as part of our experience as ASICS ambassadors. Sometimes during my runs, I would come over here and I would just look at the building. It gets emotional because, you know, to see a, a school that you spent so much of your childhood just boarded up like this. That's not only my reality, that's the reality for many Detroiters. And uh, what we run through on three, it's my hope to see something at last. I feel like what we're doing in Detroit is very spiritual. Bringing people together of all ages, all ethnicities, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. We're breaking down social barriers that exist within the city and bringing people together through running. That's our slogan, connect, run, and build. This is my old home, or what used to be my old home. What I saw growing up was a lot of negativity, drug abuse, a lot of violence, even some of my friends being killed. And those things kind of pushed me to get out of Detroit. Running really became my therapy. It started to click for me that this had became a space to like get away from everything that I was dealing with in life. There's moments when you're running where you have an outer body experience where it's like nothing in the world matters but putting one foot in front of the next. That's where that spark came. And it was like, man, I can come home and make a difference. So I started these group runs. People were asking like, when's the next run? And then we decided to create a run club, which we birthed, we run 313 on May 4th, 2019. And we didn't even know that it would turn into what it turned into. What we've created is more than a run club, it's a movement. I've seen the people in the run club make significant changes. I've seen loss happen within the run club, and I've also seen the run club come together and um, help each other through those difficult moments. 
what we're doing is restoring the village that um, once existed here. It's a powerful thing, and um, I'm just grateful to be in that space to do it. <laughs>